This is Boat Crew RPG with Red Jack. For mature audiences only. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to session two of Red Jack, an adventure for the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Mask of the Red Death subsetting. It is a subsetting of Ravenloft. Today we're picking up with our two intrepid gentlemen having just walked out of the cell block at the jail that they unfortunately spent much of the night in. They are accompanied by Detective Sergeant O'Neill, and they are on their way into the rest of the precinct. Let's begin. As you guys step out of the cell block, the rest of the precinct is in a buzz of activity. People are rushing left and right, up and down hallways. You hear doors slamming. Detective Sergeant O'Neill leads you through the various corridors to an office. His name is on the door. He opens the door. Gentlemen, please go ahead and take a seat. The office itself is fairly spartan. There's a simple wooden desk with a wooden chair behind it. No upholstery on this chair. Opposite the desk are three wood frame chairs that are meagerly upholstered with green cloth in a sort of floral pattern. On the shelves to the left of the desk, there are a few books, some boxes of ammo, and what looks to be a broken nightstick with some ominous stains on it. Detective Sergeant O'Neill walks around behind the desk and takes a seat in the chair, which creaks a little bit beneath his weight. On the desk is a green mat of some type, most likely leather, and a ledger. The detective sergeant pulls out a pencil, sharpens it briefly, checks a few things off in the ledger, and then closes it and leans back in his seat, looking at the two of you. He runs a hand through his sandy hair, making it a little more unkempt than it was. He sighs deeply and leans forward. He weaves his fingers in front of him and rests his hand or his head on his hands. Gentlemen, this isn't uh, exactly procedure, but I'm going to, I'll tell you, I'll share with you some of the facts of the case. Your stories match up pretty well, and I can't prove that either one of you has done anything amiss. <sighs> You're injured, and well, anyone who's doing these should be covered in blood head to toe. Neither one of you is obviously guilty, but we're kind of at a loss here. You're the only live witnesses that we have to any of these murders. I'm hoping you can fill in some of the pieces of this puzzle, but nothing I'm about to say leaves this room. Do you understand? Oh, I know. <clears throat> I know about keeping secrets, sir. Uh, look, we sort of like turned little Gabriel, like, right? We know how to keep secrets, right? Yes, of course. Uh, Gabriel was kind of adjusting his clothes because they gotten dusty and he feels like they still have that smell of the alcoholic vomit uh, on them. So it was kind of um, not really paying attention. Yeah, good enough. All right, look, there have been a number of these uh, brutal murders in the past couple of months all over the city. It hasn't been in the papers much. We've been doing what we can to keep it quiet so that there's no panic, like the one that uh, went through London. That ripper near paralyzed the Brits, and I don't want to see that happen here, not in Boston. You've uh, no doubt heard of Red Jack. There's a... Uh, weird similarity between what's happening here and what happened in London. All the victims here have been ladies of a lower class, and they've been uh, torn up pretty badly, too. 
like the one you saw uh, last night. Except for one thing. All the murders look like they've been done by the same person. The trouble is, there's always another body clutching the murder weapon not too far away. Unfortunately, we can't question the alleged killers. They're always found dead at the site of the murders. Always a vagrant covered in blood, clutching the murder weapon, or a drunk, or just some no-account no drifter. Just always stone-cold dead when we find them. We haven't gotten wind of any sort of conspiracy uh, to kill these prostitutes, but, I mean, the bums and the prostitutes generally seem to get along. But facts are facts. You know, these low lives are killing the women and always in the exact same fashion. They never use a gun or a club or a broken bottle or a rock. It's always some kind of knife. I've got my own ideas about where to look next, but that's I'm, I'm going to hold on to that for a little bit. I need you guys to think. Did you see anyone running from the scene? Did either victim say anything? Uh, was there any kind of madness? Like, was was the guy crazy? I and mean, what do you think? Madness certainly fits it. There was something about this guy's eyes. like they, There was a menacing glow to them, if that makes any sense. I'm, I'm not sure how to describe it any better. And I don't think he... He spoke, but he he howled like a wild animal. Yeah, I there's not much more I can add to that aside from it was like a blue color, but I, I it wasn't like like an ordinary person's eyes. It was like light was coming off of it. Uh, that, that, that doesn't make any sense though. It was almost like someone had like a one of those fancy blue candles behind his eyes or something. It, it was weird. What do you mean a fancy blue candle? Well, I, I've seen, I've been trapped. I saw like one time there's some guy set up like a little show on the street. So he like, like had candles and like he put some kind of powder on them. They could burn different colors. It was, I don't know. It was some, they said it was some kind of chemistry thing. I didn't really get into. I didn't really know. So what you're thinking there's some sort of chemist involved. That could be, I suppose if there's like some, as that could make sense if, like, some chemist gives them something. I know if you get if you get if you get a man drunk enough, or you get him on enough powder. Or so, I've seen I've seen I've seen, I've heard I've heard stories of what like some drugs can do to a man. Maybe he's like this, there's a chemist out there like drugging these homeless people, like say, hey, and uh, telling them to go out and kill people under his orders. And while they're drugged up, they follow his orders. That could be it, right? What do you think, Mister Cardona? So we are the only witnesses you've ever found alive. Yes. Like I said, every, every, everybody else seems to just end up dead nearby. And it's always just the body and some bum. Did the autopsies of the, um, well, these low-life men ever return anything of the sorts that um, my colleague mentioned? Was there any alcohol or drug residues to be found? Was there signs of violence or force? I mean, I mean, we looked at the bodies, but we didn't see anything obvious. You know, there was no no bleeding, no cuts. So what they die of? Damn if I know. I guess they had the they suddenly just collapsed like the one we met, where I assumed you had killed him in combat. Huh. Spooky. So I'm getting the feeling a collection of bums 
is being driven by some sort of madness to hunt down and brutally dismember and murder a a prostitute and immediately when this deed is done their insanity kills them maybe it's like there's something in the water and like one of the places are, are like all the murders in like one area or are they is it like a neighborhood that they all come from or something or no, i would no. link it to some sort of cult activity but it doesn't quite add up because cultists are usually very um they explain what their belief system is they aren't quiet or weird if we're talking about something in the water now that these there'd be more of these if there was something in the water you know it'd be going around everywhere anybody that Mm. drinks the water and i don't know we we got a couple like spiritualist groups you should uh, talk to my sister she's fascinated by that sort of thing but i don't think there's any sort of weird cult or fringe religious group at work here Mm. sorry we couldn't be more helpful to you uh detective but it seems we've reached limits of what we can do from here how much time does pass between these attacks it depends few of them there were a couple of days in between some of them a couple of weeks there's really no pattern that we've been able to figure out except that all of them are prostitutes and it's always some sort of bum that does the deed as he says that he unlaces his fingers and pulls out his tobacco pouch and starts rolling himself another cigarette would either you gentlemen care to partake what if i do gladly roll cigarettes for the both of you and himself and then he'll hold out a box of matches light himself and then pass it around and while he's doing that gabriel is basically asking questions to him or to the group so the the homeless men they probably haven't congregated in the same shelter and the prostitutes probably don't belong to the same house no the prostitutes do not belong to the same house, as it were. It sort of catches catch Ken with them. You two are my best leads. He takes a nice long pull on a cigarette, exhales through his nose. I can't hold you, but I can't let you guys just wander off. So I'm going to need you to stay in town. And if there's anything you can tell me, any evidence you find or anything else that you come across that might uh, point me in the right direction, you let me know. Will do. How can we best reach you? Just come back here? You can come back here. You can find a patrolman to pass a message along. All right. But until this matter is settled, neither one of you can leave town. And if I find out you're itching to leave, I'll make sure to find you and bring you back. Well, we'll find any trouble from us, sir. Well, then, gentlemen, I'll let you uh, see yourselves out. All right. Good day. Now to see if I know to see an actual, a better doctor about getting this treated. Just as that was chest gabriel kind of salutes with his uh, top hat and then puts it on and gets ready to go outside o'neill just sort of leans back in his chair as he finishes his cigarette and stubs it out on the arm of the chair you uh gentlemen need some someone to show you the way oh no 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 no. we we we, well we have people we can find our way out and you know percival will like get up and you know try to find a way out on his own trying to not look like he has no idea where he's going even though he has no idea where he's going 
So you exit the office and you go back and forth a few times trying to figure out which way to go. Eventually you find your way to the main lobby. It's very busy and bustling. The clock above the door says it's around 10.30 in the morning. So uh, last time uh, we met this, I don't know, reporter or like um, paper boy, I'm not sure. Yeah, journalist or something, yeah. Yeah, but he was young, I think. Um, Is he still there? Because I recall I saw him in um, from the hallway when I was guided back to my cell, I believe. He is no longer there. So I mentioned uh, the thoughts that I just uh, put out to Percy that I saw this guy and I'm still not sure what he has played in all of this because clearly I feel like he's dragged us into this whole thing. Well, it couldn't hurt to find the man and talk to him. Uh, do you remember if he said like what the name of the, of the paper he worked for was? Honestly, I had like at least one too many beers at that point. He said his name. He said some name of a paper, but I don't know. I I don't recall. Well, how about we how, look? We can just ask the like, turn around, like look towards like the the lobby area of the police station. It's like well, we can ask one of these guys. They probably at least somewhat familiar with newspaper newspaper men around here. Well, my suggestion would have been to go to the pub and ask for regulars. Well, he might not have been regular. Yeah, fair. Besides, we're right here. So yeah, first of all, we'll go up, like to like the police station and I'll like try to see if there's like a front desk person. It's like so yeah, there's a you know try to like describe the the newspaper man to him. See if he like recognizes the the face or the name. So you're gonna go down to the same pub that you guys were at the night before? No, I, I first wanted to just, like go to the state, like just in the police station, just ask around there, see if there's like a front desk person and. <clears throat> See if we can get it, see if see if someone recognizes him there first, and then we'll probably like go down. And oh yeah, there's, that there's okay, yeah. There's definitely a desk sergeant, grizzled old gentleman in a uniform. He looks to be maybe in his early sixties. You know, he's got the beard, heavily weathered face, deeply crisscrossed with wrinkles and lines, and a very sour expression on his face as he's sitting there listening to a young woman report a purse snatching ma'am ma'am oh, ma'am i need you to sit down and wait i'll have an officer out here to talk to you shortly sit down please the woman gives him a huff and she goes and sits in one of the chairs across from the reception desk and his eyes slowly roll across his desk and he realizes that you're looking at him Percival, and he just gives you the stare of this better be worth my fucking time. First of all, Wilt's a little bit out to have that stare, but he's like, oh, he's like, no, I've, I've seen this there many times at the, during the, in the army. So he's just, he goes up, even though he's like, you know, <laughs> made sure to be polite about it. It's like, so, sir, uh, me and my friend, I, we noticed there was a newspaper man just in here a bit ago. Uh, I, I described him and I can't remember what his name was. So I, <laughs> I know he was young. He was like asking about the, uh, uh, the the murders that have been happening recently. Son, there's like half a dozen newspapermen in here. Every, every hour, you're gonna have to be more specific than that. Right. <laughs> and like he like turns to Gabriel. Gabriel, do you remember like his name or his face? 
So Gabriel tries to help out where he can with the description, but I don't think we're getting anywhere here. Uh, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's one of them Herald boys. Oh, the Herald. Yeah, try there. All right, thank you. That's all we needed. I won't, uh, take, any, won't take any more of your time. Uh, he just sort of grumbles and waves you off. Okay, so, yeah, with that, I first of all suggest that we, they just go check out the uh, the Herald after Percival gets back to his... Uh, Get, gets a change gets a, gets a, gets a change of clothes first because he doesn't want to walk around town with a cut up shirt with blood on it. So does Percival go and get himself checked out by a doctor? I think he'll do that too. Yeah, like he, he'll like you know, like go get changed like a, so like a shirt that actually you know, buttons up that he can you know, remove easier, and then he'll like go off and like you know go to a doctor and it's like hey you know make sure this doesn't I was in jail for a bit I don't want to you know get whatever jail sicknesses you can get okay quing do me a favor roll a d10 for me okay please and thank you all right there we go we got an eight okay so you how do you go about getting a doctor let's start there <clears throat> Okay, so first thing after you know getting the change of clothes, he'll go and start. I suppose what he'd do is at first his first thought would be to like sort of go because he. I'm, I'm guessing like when he grew up, there was a, there's like a sort of a family doctor that everyone in the family sort of that goes to to just regularly just for for familiarity and convenience. But then he's like, oh, we got that probably take a while to like get down to town and go around there. It's like. Okay, so then he'll start, you know, asking, you know, wh- where's a nearby doctor? Because they're probably like, you know, several, there's probably, you know, doctors spread all around the town who have like, you know, their own little offices and places. Oh, there's quite a few. So, so yeah, he'll probably like, you know, ask a person, you know, the nearby person, like, you know, just to want to say doctor for, for the thing and then he'll like, you know, go off to the nearest one. Okay. Are you just wandering, looking for a doctor? Are you talking to people? Yeah, like, like, because like you know, go up to you know people who, who look like they've seen a doctor, and make sure like you know, is there a nearby doctor? Is there a doctor nearby? Okay. You know, what are you know? Uh, <laughs> are they available at this hour? You know, do they take walk-ins? That sort of stuff. I apologize. I'm going back and forth between the supplement for the adventure. Let me. Pull I know that pain. <laughs> Let me pull up a map of Baston. Okay. Okay, so as you're out and about looking, you see a middle-aged gentleman walking along the street, one arm leaning heavily into a crutch and a heavily bandaged right leg beneath him. You approach this gentleman as he slowly shuffles along, and he stops and kind of looks at you. Well, hey there, sir. I don't mean to, don't don't need just need a moment of your time. Uh, I'm looking for a doctor. I got into a bit of a fight last night, and I want to make sure that I didn't uh, that that uh, it's properly clean and uh, covered and uh, bandaged. Is there a doctor? Do you know how? Do you know there's a doctor nearby who will take it? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just, 
Yeah, friend, I went to uh, Dr. Witherspoon over on Beacon Street. He's not that far from here. Oh, wonderful. So, Beacon, so you want to take was a, what direction, you know, to get directions from the guy? He's, he points a little bit west. You know, just, just follow Beacon, you know, down, and you'll see it. You know, it'll be a big house on the right. Oh, thank you. Wonderful. Anytime, friend. Take care. You too. Don't break the other leg. I'll do my best. Right. And so yeah, he'll head off satisfied that, yeah, he's going to find a doctor that you know, he's confident won't just you know, stab a bandage on him and look like he's about to puke while doing it. Okay. Yeah, you make your way down Beacon Street and eventually you come across a very large square house. If I knew more about architecture, I could describe the details in better <laughs> with better it, 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 for, for pe- people listening at home, just imagine what eighteen what 1890s Boston would look like. So there's four use your imagination, whatever that looks like. There's four chimneys on the house. Looks like it's at least three stories tall. There's a low stone wall between it and the street. The yard appears to be raised above the street, requires some steps to get up to the yard. All right. So, yeah. The uh, first door, of all, sorry, the front oh, door yeah. has the little uh, mortar and pestle, and underneath it, it says Dr. Witherspoon, MD, small plaque on the door. The door is a set of double doors. And it is closed. The doors are painted bright red. By the way, what Gabriel? What are you doing? What is Gabriel doing during uh, during uh, Percival's uh, Doctor Voyage? I was going to suggest that I would leave you to do that alone, and I would be checking out the library to um, get newspaper. Uh, well, to read newspapers from the previous weeks to read uh, articles on these killings and maybe find out um, the name of the journalist who wrote them. Basically, I want that name and details on the killings that I previously probably missed or that weren't mentioned to us by the sergeant. All right. Thank you for answering my question. So, first of all, he'll like go, go up to the door and just knock on it. Is it locked? Unlocked? It's locked. All right. So, yeah, he'll... You know, knock on the door, wait for a bit, knock again. After a few moments, the door slowly opens just a little bit. Uh, hello, is this uh, Dr. Witherspoon's place? The young woman on the other side of the door looks you up and down. Yes, but he's at his Chinatown clinic right now. Would you ah. like to set an appointment for later? Uh, sure, might as well. I'm already here. Okay, and what time will you be back this afternoon? I, I'm not too sure. Um, I'll give her a, like a time, you know, a few hours, you know, a few hours later on in the evening. Probably so, give him enough time to like track down Gabriel, help him in whatever his whatever he's doing, then come back. So let's say five ish. Okay, you suggest five p.m. and she kind of looks at you a little weirdly. That's a bit late for the doctor. Why don't we say three thirty? He has an opening then. All right. Uh, what, is he having a lot of uh, patients? He does some charity work over in Chinatown during the mornings, and his paying patients generally tend to book up his afternoons. I see how it is. Uh, what's going on over in Chinatown, if you don't mind me asking? There's, is, what, are they, what do they need? He runs a free clinic out that way. Well, that's very charitable of him. 
for some of the unfortunates in our city. I see. Well, thank you for your time, ma'am. I'll uh, be back. I'll be back in a, in a few hours. Before you go, might I inquire as to the nature of your ailment? Well, I got into a bit of a fight yesterday. Uh, he'll, he'll like sort of look around, and then he'll sort of lean in. You know those uh, murders, murders that are happening. I got into a bit of an altercation with with uh, one with one of them. It gave me a cut across the chest. And you lived? My word. Yes, yes. Now, don't don't be spreading this around to people, all right? The police, the police asked to talk to us, and they don't want <clears throat> word spreading around too much about this sort of stuff. Okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll let the doctor know, and we'll see you at 3.30, okay? All right. Thank you for your time, ma'am. And then as he, like, walks, starts walking away, it's like, a clinic in Chinatown where he helps the unfortunates. She gives you a like, little bow as she shuts the door. And he's, and he's like, who of whom bums and homeless and drifters would definitely be among those number? Huh. Worth looking into. And then he'll, then he'll like probably he'll go track down Gabriel at the library. Okay. We'll pick up with Gabriel. Yeah, imagine I'm sitting at a wooden desk with a small stack of newspapers particularly the Herald in front of me. I'm just going through them to find articles on the subject matter. You find one article written several months ago that speaks of a brutal murder that occurred in the South End. The article itself is kind of sparse on the details of the murder. And the byline is one Mickey O'Toole. Okay, so I write that in my notebook. Um, and I check again for like the details in the article. I assume it doesn't really go into much, but like, does it add up that a homeless person of sort attacked a prostitute? It doesn't get into that level of detail. It just says prostitute. You know, it doesn't even say prostitute. It just says woman attacked. Okay. So it's like basically just, just a note, not really an article. Yeah. It's, it's, not a full article. It's one of those little small corner pieces that's used to fill space. And you recognize that there's only the one as you flip through all the various newspapers, you know, there really isn't too much mention of the killings. There's, you know, one newspaper has a quick little quip woman found dead suspect deceased. The one in the Herald short and brief as it may be is probably the most thorough coverage you've been able to see. In any of the newspapers. That's still really puzzling to me because um, I would think this kind of news um, is like front cover, at least in some newspapers, Um, like particularly more incendiary news. um, um, They like this sort of thing, especially when like prostitutes and homeless people are involved. Mm. But yeah, so I'm thinking uh, probably the police is trying to cover it up, but it's new to me that journalists actually follow uh, those guidelines. Okay. Well, they seem to be following those guidelines here. <laughs> like it's very sparse coverage. Very sparse. Want to find out more about the story? Join our Discord channel. The link is in the description.